I'm at a restaurant. I'm sitting at the bar because it's quick, and I've just ordered the lunch special. It's 11 a.m., and there's snow on the ground outside. Not many people are in the restaurant, and those who are look idly at their phones, putting them down momentarily to eat or to watch one of the many screens high on the wall. I practice embracing boredom. I practice using these precious gifts of time, formerly interludes between action, as a retreat. Time for thinking through professional conundrums, moral questions, and practical matters. Stealing these gems and adding them to my store of experience. Restraining the urge to be distracted, engaging with the mind, and acting as the sole possessor of its powers of attention. What I am seeking inside this restaurant is a calm and productive mind, one which bears fruit, favorably disposed towards itself, never cast up, never cast down. I am seeking tranquility, and it can be achieved at any and all moments. I'm using boredom as a tool for calm. I'm using boredom as a tool for industry. Hello and welcome to Moralia. Lose no time. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off all unnecessary actions. Imagine an open-air dojo in south-central Japan. Four corners opened in spring, surrounded by fields of wildflowers, rice, barley, and wheat. Mountains in the distance, birds chirping outside, a light breeze, and the sun high above the paper walls. Your shoes are off, and you don't know where you put them. There's nobody else in the room. You take in a breath of crisp mountain air, sit on the floor, and close your eyes. This is a dojo for sparring judo, and your opponent came with you. Its name is boredom. In judo, as many of you well know, both opponents wear a traditional gi or judo suit, usually a thick white set of pants and a robe jacket tied tightly by a belt of different colors depending on rank. As many of you also know, for those of you who have seen, sparred, or practiced this martial art, those on the mat are engaged in throwing their opponents. The key tenant of this martial art is using the strength of your opponent against him. In this way, boredom seeps its way deep into my mind, making use of strong evolutionary tendencies to pull my time and attention far from tranquility, far from cheerful self-possession of the mind. This use of the opponent's strength is one of the oldest and coolest aspects of what Chinese thinkers have passed down to us. It is called wu wei, literally nothing doing. Just as if you were thrown into a swiftly moving river, your best chance of survival would be to float along with the current until you reach safety, instead of swimming against it. So too do these Chinese sages entreat us to live in accordance with nature. So too does the superior judo opponent allow himself to be pulled by brute force. Then, when the pull has reached its climax, to use the force of the opponent's pull to throw him to the mat. I find myself on this mat, on my back, in this dojo in south-central Japan, looking up towards the sun and the sky and my superior opponent who has just thrown me. When I became privy to this match's very existence, an enlightening first step, I realized how boredom used my innately human qualities and strengths to rob me of my life's time, to push me towards distraction. 
In this sparring dojo of the mind, my inclination towards indulgence and distraction was the brute force pulling and pushing of a novice opponent, akin to the feeling of fighting some assailant in a dream. You feel as if your powers are restricted, that you can never win. I failed to realize that boredom was there to help me, to make me better, that he was my sparring partner instead of an opponent. Each time I was thrown, or felt the power of boredom's pull, I submitted. I pulled out my phone, refocused my attention to the screens on the wall at this restaurant, allowed my mind to lose possession of itself, to be swayed to and fro, cast up and down, by the dynamic nature of external forces. I realized the presence of boredom can be constant, and that, at the outset of this feeling of boredom's pull, I could always bring myself back to self-possession of the mind. In this, I found boredom to be a faithful partner and the most useful tool. I came to looking forward to our daily sparring sessions. With the enthusiasm of an athlete thriving on the endorphins of physical exertion, so too do these daily meetings with boredom allow me to prolong my life, to regain control of my mind, and to think through issues methodically. I began throwing boredom around the dojo as he once threw me. We developed a deeper bond and began sitting in the dojo for long periods of time, following the entreaties for desirous and aversive distraction. In each moment, when boredom was overcome, I became not elated with happiness, but felt instead a calm sense of triumph over things external by the deepest functions of my own soul. By actively becoming aware of my desire for distraction and aversion to boredom, I was able to overcome both momentarily. Moving on to each moment after the next in a never-ending session of judo, though, after these sessions, boredom, like any opponent, can be tired out. At that point, I convinced boredom to sit with me in the dojo instead of to spar. We sat, crisscross applesauce, with our eyes closed in the dojo and listened to the birds. Then, my food came. I thanked the waitress and I ate the soup and sandwich with a sense of accomplishment. All the while, I was in control of my own mind. I am not able to control my own emotions as they arise and as they pass away. I am not able to control the onset of what I perceive to be boredom, even in its most basic form. I am not able to control what other people say or do. I can only control my reaction to these things. And my reaction to all of these things, all of these moments, make up the entirety of my life. I can only control my reactions. Thanks for tuning in.